if you have a process, you know, you have your initial stage and then you just sort of iteratively go about it until, you know, you're at the final stage. And then at that final stage, you can tweak it a little bit, but it just kind of flows out from there. Mm-hmm. So I guess I know I'm done when I like it. Welcome back to the Medical Illustration Podcast. This is your host, Paul Kelly. My guest today is Ryan Kissinger, an award-winning medical illustrator and animator working in Hamilton, Montana for the NIAID lab. The NIAID, or National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, is one of the many institutes and centers that make up the National Institutes of Health, or NIH, in the United States. Interestingly, tick-borne illnesses play a major role in the history of the lab. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Ryan and do not reflect those of his employer. Ryan graduated from the Biomedical Communications Program at the University of Toronto Mississauga in 2010. He has experience in a wide range of media, including 3D animation and both traditional and digital illustration. In this conversation, Ryan shares some of what he's learned from taking on a short film passion project, his experience working in traditional watercolor, and why Adobe Illustrator is his software of choice. Please enjoy this conversation with Ryan Kissinger. Yeah, so I was looking over some of your stuff online, your LinkedIn profile, and then, of course, your Instagram. And I saw you had made a short film this past October. Is that right? I did, yeah. I've I've been, uh, over the last year or so, I've been taking part in this thing called the 48-Hour Film Project. So uh, you have 48 hours to uh, create a short film. And so they give you a prompt on Friday, and you don't know what it's going to be. You haven't done any preparation. And then you just write as quickly as you can and then just sort of, yeah, go from there. So this is supposed to be a horror film. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, I don't really like horror films, but I thought, why not just give it a try? Okay. And uh, w- yeah, what we came up with was more of like an absurd comedy, I think, mm-hmm. uh, about COVID, I guess. That was, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't it like the, the, uh, something about onions? <laughs> it was called The Onion Witch. So like we okay. had to incorporate a prop into your oh, production. Okay. And so the prop was an onion. And so <laughs> I always think it's funny to just do the most obvious thing possible. Mm-hmm. And so we just made the whole thing about how this woman had, I guess, read on the internet that like onions are antibacterial, not realizing that, you know, it's a virus right. and that that would help fight the virus. <laughs> and then her husband's out like working, you know, a job, you know, like a lot of people have to during the pandemic. Right. And, her, and she's at home just sort of, slowly going crazy and then it drives him crazy um (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that could be a say yeah yeah no that well so how did uh what was your role in the project what did you uh do on it um i did the uh the editing of the i mean i filmed it i did the sound and and i also uh i did all the the editing um yeah most of it i guess yeah and then uh-huh. I just coordinated all my friends. Uh, I'd done another one earlier in the year where I, and that was a real eye opener because I had never done that before. And then I was just learning uh, how to do it that weekend. And it was a mess. And this one was, you know, I just, I just filmed it on an iPhone with some lenses on the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you're like a professional film person, you'd probably poke holes in some of the, uh, the, the quality, but I was pretty happy with it, to be honest. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 I know. So is this your first experience of working with live footage or have you done stuff with footage before? Um, I mean, a little bit, but I, yeah, I just sort of 
that's that's kind of part of the fun of the 48 hour thing is that you just sort of you throw yourself into it it's almost like being in grad school you know like i don't know if you the first time you worked in illustrator or, or I, like for me they just kind of threw us into it we had well we had two weeks mm -hmm. to, to do a big project uh this is in the toronto program obviously if anybody's mm -hmm. wondering i'm not sure um and uh yeah so it's sort of like that and that I, I had no choice but to learn as quickly as i could and also had the team around me expecting me to do something and so yeah i'd done a little bit of work in like um in premiere pro before but i was uh no i just had to learn as quickly as i could over <laughs> a weekend so mm -hmm. yeah wow. right on man yeah. very cool yeah have you ever played with uh, DaVinci Resolve? Yeah, I've, I've looked into that. That's something I've I've thought about just because it's got the color grading and it's kind of got an all it's got all in one. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, yeah, that's kind of the next thing I want to try. I, I want to get a. I'm looking into getting like a, an actual movie camera so that I can. Because mm. I, I, yeah, it's it's been fun. It's sort of like it's it's different than like in in our regular day jobs. Uh, I love doing it, but it's. So in some ways, it's sort of like uh, you're constrained in your creative parameters, but mm -hmm. uh, which is good. But with something like this, there's no pressure. You're not doing it for anybody except for yourself and your friends. And uh, so I, it is nice to just be in a place where you don't have to. You can just sort of let your stream of conscious craziness, you know, your your mind go and, and just kind of come up with something. And it, it doesn't there's no expectations put on it. You know, I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, no, it absolutely does. I mean, that's one of the things I've been trying to explore a bit more recently are, you know, passion projects outside of the regular work hours. Because I yeah. think that's just like you're saying, I mean, that's where you get a lot of this just additional learning and experience. Yeah. And it's really kind of a nice feeling to make something like you say, without those expectations, you know, looming over your head. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, yeah, maybe I can expand this into my, you know, my work that I, I normally do. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't think it can, uh, it can hurt really. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And uh, yeah, if you have the time, I think the, I think um, working in a team on a film is, uh, is a, it's a different kind of thing than working on a solo project and in some ways more fulfilling because, you know, uh, as working with people in a group can be. So. Right on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I have a couple of friends who are, um, they work in different aspects of production. One of my buddies works at a company in Chicago doing kind of like motion design stuff. And he's been like diving into Houdini, but kind of like a, right. yeah, he's been doing a lot of cinema 4d stuff as well, but he's also done some work with like stop motion animation, which is mm -hmm. pretty cool. So yeah, I'd love talking to folks from all these different disciplines and made some good friends through uh, life drawing as well. Yeah, I was seeing you were posting some of that on your Instagram. I, I, I've always wanted to do more of that because I feel like I should be better at it. It's a, it's a real what? skill. <laughs> oh, we all do, man. We all do for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's one thing. I, every time I go back to draw maybe a, a, a person, a figure for like an illustration, and I find those relationships and proportions for human, especially like faces and stuff, it's always mm -hmm. a challenge and it just always keeps yeah. me in the butt and reminds me like, oh yeah, this is something you have to like keep up with, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there is like a real, I don't know. I mean, I think there's three, I feel like there's two techniques to like there's the, 
uh, training your eyes to just like draw exactly what you see. And then mm-hmm. there's also people who like have a memory of, of human form. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, they sort of block in things based on, you know, how, what the proportions are. And I think both are, uh, valid. Uh, the other one, I, the, the, the one based on memory, I think is you can get better, more consistent results. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, sort of like the the classical uh, illustrators, you know, from the golden age of illustration, where they would hand draw all those all those ads. That was sort of, I think that's how they would work. Yeah, um, yeah, they had a like a mental repertoire of of uh, yeah people, I guess, that they could draw. Yeah, yeah. Really oh, totally. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I've been. I actually just started an online course with Vitruvian Fine Art Studio in Chicago. Oh wow! Okay. And so it's every Sunday for eight weeks and we're doing like three hours of drawing. It's a portrait. Mm -hmm. um, And with the kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think of like the the way to describe it. It's kind of like illustrative realism. You know, they really go for kind of like a photographic uh, look and they Mm -hmm. use the toned paper. So we're Mm -hmm. we're using uh, the whole range of the Stadler pencils. And then at the very end, well, I can't remember the exact series of steps, but towards the end, you start bringing in the white chalk and doing some highlights so that you can get like a full range of values. Right, right. I've done a class with them before and it was a lot of fun and I came out with Hmm. a pretty good piece I was happy with. So I'm really happy to jump into it again. Yeah, yeah. Have you done any online classes? Uh, I mean, we've done some through work. I mean, we did a pretty interesting course on Unity. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, the problem is we just have so much work. Uh, mm. Like, I'd love to just incorporate it into my workflow. Like, yeah, um, we did it with uh, Sam Bond. I don't know if you know. Oh, her. sure. Yeah, she's she's really great and uh, walks you through it in a way that uh, isn't super intimidating. Um, and uh, yeah, so hopefully it's supposed to uh, allow us to maybe create some in uh, add some interactivity to some of our three D models that we create. So. I thought oh, that nice. could be kind of a neat thing um, if done the right way. Yeah. If, if I ever get the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. It's a whole new world. But um, I don't know if you've seen any of the stuff Albert's uh, done with Unity uh, for TV no. search. No, I haven't. Oh, I mean. He's a beast, man. He's doing wow. some really awesome stuff. Yeah. We, we've made a couple modules to help surgeons uh, with surgical planning. And okay. uh, the the big thing that we've kind of been pushing which a lot of people have been asking for is the multiplayer scenarios where you've got more than one person in the same virtual space and we actually we actually had like a surgeon in toronto and then we've done this with uh some surgeons over in ireland and so each one of them is wearing a headset and they're both in the same like vr scene and they're like pointing at livers and kind of like discussing a surgical plan it's pretty wild that's really wild wow i mean that is sort of what we'd like to do. I just, uh, how does he do that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, uh, hit him up. I'm sure he'd, he'd uh, be happy to to talk to you about all the different steps and and things he's been working on. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's why I, well, I'm, I, I think probably similar to you guys, we have that situation where there's so many surgeons or, you know, content experts, clients, however you want to call them who approach us with an idea of something they want to do. And, Mm -hmm you know, we're, we're the only folks they know that's are anything close to being able to pull this off. Right. 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 
And there's just a lot of discovery that has to take place in addition to producing the actual final asset, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm actually uh, creating an animated graphical abstract right now. Uh, I've seen the ones they have currently; they're not great. Um, So we'll we'll see how an animated abstract. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen these. I mean, I've they have them. It's for the journal Cell. They're actually okay. making me a co-author. It's kind of cool. Uh, that is awesome. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. But uh, oh shoot, hopefully this didn't jinx it. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, the ones they have currently are just like oh they they, they do like a recording of a PowerPoint, you know, being mm-hmm. trans doing transitions. But uh, yeah, you can make it anything you want. Um, and uh, so yeah, I don't know exactly how I'm going to accomplish it. Maybe in after effects, um, but just, uh, yeah, just like maybe like a movie, like a, like a normal graphic, but it moves, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Makes sense. Like, yeah. Like the textbook style kind of thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, all these textbooks, they've all got to figure out how to get into the media, the new media stuff, right? Like interactive animation and stuff because text Mm -hmm. is really kind of, I mean, it's still always going to be there, but, it's really kind of falling behind, I think, or, or falling the wayside. I don't know what the right phrase is, but yeah, yeah. it's tough. though. it's a lot. It's a huge amount of investment. I imagine it's just cheaper to still do illustrations. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Is that or still the old ones? I don't know. Is that, is that still the bulk of what you're doing at the NIH? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, we do do some animation. The problem is we don't have a huge team. And then because we have all the illustration work, I end up doing tons of that. So it's hard to really focus on the animation. Um, I've done a few things that I'm pretty happy with, but I, uh, yeah, I haven't had it. That, I mean, that's why I'm kind of exploring options to try to figure out how to maybe, maybe not do the 3D, but try to find a style that might be you know, faster. I, I'm not sure what software I'd use for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love your illustrations, man. The style you have is beautiful because I detect these influences from like David Goodsell. I oh think yeah, yeah, that's fair. There's a little uh, bit. Well, of that, in the last but, the last few I did, I definitely yeah. was yeah cr- uh, cribbing his style a little bit. Yeah, but it's authentically your own. It definitely yeah. is. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah man. Thanks, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah really that was actually it. kind of a side fun side project. I mean, just a side project. I was just a friend needed some stuff for a a Bangladeshi publication and uh, okay. I, I just uh, did it for pro bono. So I'm actually not allowed to make any money down here anyways, unless it's my, you know, my job. My oh, job, right. So. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the joys of working internationally, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You gotta be so, really careful. Yeah. Are you a uh, resident or what's like, what's your status down there? Well, I'm a, I'm a resident, uh, but okay. I, uh, but I, I'm on a TN. So, um, mm. I, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm working on the green card. Uh, my company actually, my, my, um, uh, contract negotiations is agreed to pay for that. So we'll, we'll yeah. see how that works out. Yeah. 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 I went through, uh, quite a ordeal with the <laughs> getting my residency established. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was kind of hectic for a minute there, but I, I actually didn't even know if I'd be able to stay up here at one point, yeah. but, uh, but now I'm married to a Canadian, so I'm, I'm also oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm solid. <laughs> yeah, no, nicely done. Yeah. 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 Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm going up with a foreign national, so I didn't really play with my cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all good though. Going back, you know, to how you got 
involved in your work in the first place. Maybe we should start with, you know, how you got into BMC. You know, what attracted you to BMC and how'd you find out about it? Well, I mean, I, I think it was, uh, I first found out about it through, I mean, kind of a circuitous route. So like uh, when I was uh, in my undergrad, I had a, a teacher. Um, I actually went to a community college first because I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm. Uh, I, I actually wanted to be an illustrator, um, but I, I did love science. So I, so I ended up going into the into science. That's what I kind of determined that was going to be my life path uh, after, you know, doing a, a year at, at a community college. Um, but along the way, I met a, a, a professor, his name is Keith Wade, and uh, he said that he'd had a student who'd gone to uh, onto success as a scientific illustrator. Mm-hmm. And uh, he'd gone to this program out of uh, UC Santa Cruz. Okay. Um, and so that's where I initially looked into the science uh, illustration program at UC Santa Cruz. But while I was doing that search, I actually found, I discovered that there was also medical illustration um, programs available uh one in the u.s one in, in canada and then a bunch in the u.s and so i i applied at uh i, I actually applied uh I, I i ended up applying at a few different places uh, or a couple of different places i only applied to two i applied it in the toronto program and the uc santa cruz program it was actually my preference to become a science illustrator i i didn't really know much about the field of medicine it didn't really i don't know it didn't it didn't really catch Yeah, I I didn't know enough about it at that point to really, you know, know whether it would be a fulfilling career for me. And so, yeah, I instantly gravitated towards the sciences uh, or like a a natural science illustrator because it was sort of like like uh, illustrations of like frogs or or insects or, you know, uh, things that I could, you know, uh, I could understand, uh, you know, because they existed in, in the, the world that I existed in. But a lot of like the medical stuff, it's sort of this unseen world. It's mm-hmm. a lot harder to, for most people, I think, to um, uh, to get excited about. Um, anyway, so I applied for the science uh, illustration program in, in UC Santa Cruz, and I applied at the uh, University of Toronto program. Um, anyway, so while I was interviewing at the University of Toronto, uh, uh, University of Santa Cruz program, I received a call from Linda Wilson Pauls. He used to be the, the head of the program. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she said, "Hey, we liked your work. Do you want to? you want to be part of the program?" And uh, I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Well, I, I need like a firm commitment from you. You got to say yes." Um, <laughs> and uh, and she's like, "You know, yeah. I know you went to a community college, but you do have to. You know, you did go to UBC, so you know, you do have a, a decent pedigree." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." Um, anyway, so on the spot, I was, I had to say, okay, I'll join the program. And, and I, it, it worked out better because it's a lot cheaper to go to school in Canada. I am Canadian. And so I guess the, the rest is history. I, after that, I, yeah, I went to Toronto and, and, um, yeah, was that, did I answer your question? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. Uh, I think it was maybe a year ago or so. Well, more than a year ago, obviously my wife and I were on a trip in BC and we got to check out the UBC campus. I had no idea how gorgeous it was. Just amazing camp. It's gorgeous, yeah. Although I'm going to say, I, I'm not sure if it's because I, you know, when I, like, grad school is a different experience than, than undergrad. Like, grad school, it's the first time you actually feel like, like, in undergrad, I don't know, I, I didn't get much out of it. But grad school, you feel like you're getting, like, the actual, the real university experience. And so I have a much stronger affinity for the Toronto campus. Um, oh. especially the downtown campus. It's like right in the middle of the city. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, sorry, I guess Mississaugas where the Toronto program is now, but <laughs> no, I'm I'm on the I'm on the same tip with you there, man. Like I love that St. George campus, and I actually had yeah. an apartment like a block away from uh, the Fitzgerald building where we used to be set wow. up in the basement there. It was oh man, yeah, it was pretty sweet. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, but Mississauga's okay. I guess that new building is beautiful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very yeah. high tech. Yeah, I wanted to go back and check it out. Were there any movies or video games or artists that really influenced you and inspired you? Um, yeah, I guess. I don't. I mean, I I had people in my life that inspired me. Um, in terms of movies, I mean, there's things that I like. You know, but uh, I mean, I when I was when I was preparing for grad school, I got really into MC Escher, which is pretty nerdy, oh. I guess. But uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. I want I wanted to draw as well as that guy could, um, and uh, I tried my best. Uh, I don't know if I ever quite got there. I mean, he did do lithography, so uh, mm-hmm. also different. I was you know trying to draw in pencil, uh, and then uh, yeah, I, I guess I got really I was really into technical watercolor painting. Yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I, I yeah I learned how to watercolor paint from a, uh, a local artist where, near where I grew up, and uh, and so that was just kind of my fixation because that was sort of the first thing that I had done that had um, uh, shown me that maybe I could uh, you know I could make a go of this uh, at this uh, as a career you know mm-hmm. um, so yeah I think that's actually a really important thing when you're like public education can be a good starting point but i think uh to really grow as an artist you have to like expand out beyond that and it's not until you do that i think you really understand like what your limitations are and where you can go with something mm-hmm. um and uh yeah i don't know i i uh i, I think I, I would see something that i thought was really technical and good and i would try to you know copy that technique I, i'm i'm less about just pure technique now now it's more about like the story and Mm-hmm. and what i'm what i'm saying with the work but like yeah in the early days it was i didn't think that as a young person i had a voice that you know i i didn't think i there was anything that i could say you know i didn't mm-hmm. i wasn't arrogant enough to think that so i thought well i'm just going to get as good as i can at my craft and then hopefully that'll allow me later to like you know express myself if that makes sense Absolutely. Dude, that sounds like the perfect strategy, man. I mean, I, I remember yeah. looking at your portfolio in grad school. Um, it really hit me when I saw those pieces in person because I remember at one point you busted out, you know, this big professional portfolio kind of uh, like binder and you had your watercolors in there. And yeah. there, was the, there was this one of uh, like a dock. You were looking out on a dock over the water. Oh, yeah, that lake. one. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that was yeah. gorgeous, man. So oh, good. Oh. Yeah. I still think yeah. about that sometimes. Yeah. What What are some tips that you might have on like the watercolor technique? Because I've always been curious on how to do it well. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways you can go with it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you can be the, you can do, I mean, I think it's like any medium. It's like you just got to uh, learn as many techniques as you can. Mm-hmm. And then from there you build a style that's your own. So mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started off doing like a wet and wet technique. That was sort of the basis. You know what I mean? So like you get the paper really wet and then, then drop color into it. Okay. Um, but then later I learned about um, uh, the way to actually control the medium was to use a, a hairdryer. Oh, okay. 
Interesting. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you would uh, quickly dry it with a hair dryer and then do another le- level uh, layer. Or if you wanted to like stop the the movement of the colors in its place, you would. If you didn't have, if you have too much water, then it just pushes the color around. Mm-hmm. But if you have the right amount, it just instantly dries it. And that yeah, it speeds up the process and also prevents color mixing as well. So, uh, like that you tip. don't want. That's yeah. a really good tip, um, man. That's cool. Yeah. And then there's different papers. Is like uh, there's uh, uh, cold press, which is sort of the uh, the lumpy kind of textural paper that you can mm-hmm. use, and you can use that for if you have like a dry brush, you can kind of create interesting patterns uh, on the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then if you're going for the super technical, you go for the the hot press paper, which is like the super smooth, almost like an illustration board. Okay. Um, and uh yeah good brushes i don't know um use the good stuff right uh yeah i don't know i mean i guess it doesn't really matter if you you don't need i don't know if you need the best brushes brushes just uh uh yeah it's all a lot of trial and error too i think uh i think the key on ultimately is just being a, a weird person who's in singularly focused on something mm-hmm. so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that was a. I don't know. Did you catch my recent Uncon talk on time management at all? No, I, I, I unfortunately wasn't able to make it, but I'm. Uh, I wish I wish I'd seen it. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no worries, man. It's all good. Yeah, it was. It was just one thing that I had talked about because it's something I do hear a lot about, and I, I, I sort of you know toss the idea in my head around back and forth about being focused, being like a specialist versus being a generalist. I wonder, you know, kind of where you sit on that. Um, I think it's uh, depends on on you. I guess I think we increasingly have to be more generalists in our work, and I think, unfortunately, well, that depends. I, I mean, we are very specialized. We're medical illustrators, but as medical illustrators, I feel like we have to take on a bunch of different responsibilities in our in our jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess it's better to be a gen- broad uh, a generalist, but. I see the value in somebody being really good at one thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, what, definitely. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say that when I started looking at a lot of resources, watching some videos, reading some stuff, that is a recommendation that comes up a lot of the time is that if you're a specialist or if you just focus on doing one thing and doing it really well, then you're going to be able to do it really quickly. Right. Because you'll get that flow. You'll get that uh, methodology down and it makes sense. You know, it does, but I really kind of gravitate more towards what you're saying with being a generalist, being sort of what the job requires, you know, because our jobs do require us to kind of have to stop what we're doing randomly throughout the day all the time and respond to an email or, you know, a client has, you know, this just a, you know, a small window of time to get in touch with us. So we kind of do have to, you know, wear many hats, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to be, you know, well versed in in uh, science and be able to pull off a you know a, a nice you know art, art piece based on that you know I guess mm-hmm. you can't call it art we call it I don't know a rendering anyways um, <laughs> yeah but I I do think though at the same time though that like uh, learning how to do one thing really well and if you do if you have a good process you can use that process and expand it out to other things mm-hmm. so I think the I don't know I think me being like this really technical watercolor artist really focused me on like on process. Mm -hmm. And so 
mastering any new technique requires you to match there's sort of that, that that process and realizing that the all the details really are important mm-hmm. um and then later once you get a flow going maybe you don't have to work quite like that but um i think it can prepare you to be a bro- more of a broad niche generalist because it yeah just teaches you the, how how it's to learn other things yeah, yeah. makes sense makes sense yeah, because yeah, I've, I've actually been better at technology than I thought I would be. You know, like, oh, like yeah. when I came into the program, like people were like, I thought I was just like good at traditional stuff, but I don't know. I think I've been decent at most of the tech stuff. So, and and, and and most and mostly just because like, I think some people when they when they approach it, they're just like, okay, this is the art thing with the paper and the pencil, and then this is the mysterious box that I don't know anything about. And I think if you just look at it as another tool, right? Maybe it's not that simple, but if you, uh, yeah, if you look at it as another tool, um, you can kind of get kind of past some of the mental blocks that might come up with being intimidated by the interface, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any uh, preferences? I mean, are there any pieces of software that you just really enjoy using? Uh, I love Illustrator. I think it's the best. Really? Uh, Yeah. It's why for me, it's very similar to the watercolor thing. It's like Mm. tons of layers lots of yeah it's very technical i also love the uh i mean i I like using gradients as well but i i you know i also like sort of the crispness of the the images you can get with illustrator and i think in some ways like if you're creating more of like a a highly rendered piece in photoshop or, or even a 3d program um there's no end to that but with illustrator you kind of I don't know. You sort of you develop quickly develop a style, and then you just stop at that point, you know. And, and you're not as worried as much as much about like photorealism. You're you're more worried about like I don't know colors, and you can kind of get a bit more conceptual with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So in some ways, it's more creatively freeing. Yeah. Wow, that's a really interesting yeah. take on that. I'd never heard anybody kind of describe it that way. But then, yeah, I I totally see that, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Man, I've seen so much of your animation work. Are you 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 mentioned before that you do do some animations at the the NIH? I had recently been looking at those surgical animations you put on Vimeo. Um, yeah, have you done any more of those like since? I haven't. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. When I was doing those, I was pretty burnt out. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I was having a bad year, um, and so uh, I look back at them and they're they're. Uh, they're better than I remember. I remember thinking nothing's good enough at the, at the time. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really done anything. I, I did work actually for a year. Uh, my first job out of grad school for a medical marketing company. I don't know, out of Texas. Okay. And so their plan was to b- develop an app that would visualize uh, laser eye surgery and, and um, uh, uh, prostate surgery. Mm-hmm. So I did end up doing a little bit of work in 3D uh, there uh, and actually, I had to learn how to use Cinema 4D to do my animations because I'd learned entirely in Maya, mm-hmm. and so it was actually kind of an awkward transition phase because I'd sort of said, I, "Yeah, I, I know how to animate," and then it turns out I, I didn't know how to animate, and I just had to learn how to on the job how to do Cinema 4D. But it helped me to get this job because we do all, all Cinema 4D here, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of what I primarily do uh, now. It's all focused on. Um, illustrating like uh when uh, like illustrating how certain microbes move or or how they infect a host uh so yeah it's it's, it's uh different than the surgical although I, i'd love to do more of the surgical again that's very interesting 
Yeah, dude, those pieces were dope, man. You had like some fluid dynamics going on in there. Okay, those, thanks, man. Yeah, those were really cool. It's interesting you mentioned the transition from Maya to Cinema 4D because I had the same experience. when I Actually, when I graduated, my first job was at a textbook illustration company. So I was just okay. straight, straight Photoshop for a while. And I was just yeah. dying. I was dying to get back into 3D. And so I was trying to do like little side projects in Maya, but they didn't really, I never really created like a final delivery out of any of those. Mm -hmm. But then when I started up at TVA Surge with Albert, uh, it was, you know, learning Cinema 4D, you know, kind of from square one again. We had done a little bit of it, you know, in the program, but yeah, I had to pick it up. It actually took us like way longer than it should have to figure out how to do play blasts in Cinema. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because it's not the same, you know, it it was like a different way you have to like, I think, what is it? The, like the hardware render settings or something and render like, I, yeah. I forget. Yeah. But uh, I, I find, yeah, I yeah. find some with some of the scenes that we create, like these, like with lipid membranes and I don't know. Sometimes I, I don't just like play blast. I it just, it's almost, I, I've tried doing play blast, but it's like, it, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I need a new program because I feel like with this, the amount of detail you get with a, with a cellular scene, uh, you, you you need something that can handle that, especially the viewfinder in, in cinema. Yeah. I, I don't know if you found that. Yeah. We have, well, we Pardon haven't done much cellular stuff, but I was going to ask you, have you messed around with Houdini at all? Uh, I've looked at some of the stuff and uh, that is crea- uh, has been created with it. It looks amazing. So hmm. uh, so ha- is, is that just a separate package or, uh, yeah, or is it a, a plugin? Yeah. No, it's a separate package, but it's allegedly kind of an all-in-one encompassing 3d application i mean i've heard you can do pretty much everything in it uh you just have to figure out kind of how but it has a different methodology i think there's some there is some scripting involved it's definitely Mm. sort of a node-based application um okay but that sounds like hell yeah it's it's it does sound pretty like stressful that's one thing about the 3d workflow I can kind of, I would be fine with, you know, moving to like a different job where I'm doing more 2D stuff again, because yeah, the, the 3D stuff, not only is it the, the software, but it's also issues can come up with your own hardware. And then yeah. it's, oh man, it can just, just troubleshooting the software ends up taking so much time away from actually producing anything. It can get just infuriating. Yeah. Well, I, I had a, I've, I've had a moment recently where I, I created like a pretty uh, work up a storyboard of a um, showing a, a, how a, a fusion or I guess a spike protein on, on uh, respiratory synclovirus, how that merges with the host membrane. Mm-hmm. A- anyway, so I was looking back at the storyboard and I was thinking there's got to be a way to do uh, like a, a 2D animation of that. And mm-hmm. so I was reading about a few different softwares. One one that looked interesting was one called like Tune, Tune Boom Harmony. Yeah, is that any good? I haven't used that one, but I know Peter Lanes over at Click uh, had been using that for a while. He did a cool little, you know, martial arts animation with it at an Uncon one year. Yeah, I was just thinking, though, like, sometimes, it's, uh, you know, it's, you can create some great stuff with 3D. It's super accurate, especially if you're taking it from the protein data bank. But in some ways, I'm faster at drawing than the computer is at rendering. So I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, if there was a way to, to do a 2D version of that, that might be kind of interesting course it yeah would lack the i guess the rigorousness but yeah i don't know mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't like an actual model but um yeah. well you yeah. know that, that's a great segue into talking a little bit about the previs 
process. Do you often right. do sketches before you even get into anything digital? Like when you're working with, uh, when you're doing the, the professional work? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm still kind of pretty analog when I start off. I have a, a sketchbook that I draw in and then I, I'll, I'll scan it in. I don't know. For me, it's, it's nice to not always be on the computer. And uh, I know a lot of people are, are using the iPad. I actually tried that and I just didn't like it. I was, I was like, well, a pad of paper costs me like this much. A pencil is like a dollar. Why do I need to do that on a thousand dollar device? So yeah. yeah, so I just stuck with pencil and paper. I, I don't know. A lot of people say that it's like a better way to think uh, than being in the digital space. I don't know if that's true. I just like it, you know. I'm not, I don't know. Yeah, and I like the way it looks, especially if you were combining it with like Photoshop or something. You can do that in interesting ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I I share your sentiments there. I really like the feel and the experience of you know traditional media. I like to be able to just take my thumb and just rub it across the page if I want like a quick little you know shading yeah. effect. You know, sometimes you know just have fun with it and and it also there's less of a sense of urgency or of uh mm-hmm. you know it just feels low commitment you know like it's yeah. totally fine yeah just, that's exactly right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and uh if you're an environmentalist uh, i'd imagine you're using a lot of energy a <laughs> lot less energy you know you're not like plugging a device in that's like drawing off the power grid yeah um, this is true yeah although yeah. i guess you have to produce the paper and the pencil somehow <laughs> i don't know it never ends but yeah yeah also, I think it's it's worth noting. I mean, this was something I actually brought up in that time management talk because it was related to this project I had done where, and I didn't say this explicitly, I should have, uh, I was working 16 hour days for like weeks Jeez. on end. Yeah, it was oh insane. Man. Uh, don't recommend it. And towards the end of the project, I was putting out the final renders and you know they looked all right to me. But after I released the video, I took a couple of days off and I came back and I looked and mm-hmm. the color I had chosen for the muscles it looked like orange. And I was like, what the hell? Like everything's so orange and (laughs) it is not, it's not what I intended. Right. And I I realized like, I'd like freaking burnt out my eyes, man. Like I was just looking at a monitor like way too much. So I mean, luckily it was reversible. So I'm, I'm all, yeah. Oh God. Yeah. That's hell. Yeah. You got to put on that time sometimes. Yeah. I had a day where I was like, I I put in like 24. I, I feel like I worked 24 hours one day. Oh, damn. That's that's yeah. too much, man. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny though how common that is for like so many like artists, not just medical illustrators, but especially people who work in like the movies and video game industries. It's so common yeah. for people to be working these like insane hours. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, that's a whole other discussion. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think a lot of it is that um. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, again, it's, it's why I said it's another discussion. I, I don't know enough about the whole thing to really say besides maybe my own gut feel about it. But my, my feeling is that if you do creative work, it's, it's not valued in the same way uh, as like, you know, something that is like uh, quantitative. And so, yeah, I don't know. I guess it, that has all sorts of unforeseen outcomes. You know, you know, first of all, you don't get people they don't hire as many they don't pay enough money to the people that do work in those fields and then yeah and then i guess you know maybe you yeah i just don't i think it's just the product of it not being valued in in our society in a in the way it should be and uh i think what happens is that you exploit people (laughs) yeah and and then you know you justify it to yourself because you love it right and you want to get the best possible result because you don't want to just throw and and they take it you know they take advantage of the fact that because it's like almost like a compulsion for most creatives 
um, <laughs> that that you don't want to you want to do as much as you can to to create that result, even if it means you know destroying your life. So um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I I I think part of it as well is you know people don't always work the most efficiently, and paired with that, it's difficult to find folks who are really good at project management and know how Mm -hmm. to, you know, set milestones and organize folks times. And that that was one of the reasons I really dove into the time management stuff. Do you have any, do you have any tips for time management? Have you found any tricks or anything? Um, I'm probably the last person you would ask (laughs) about time management. I mean, I just somehow make it work. I mean, I think given the current realities, like you said, it's a very important skill to have. Yeah, I would say uh, in terms of time management, just keep your expectations, you know, reasonable within the amount of time you have. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, you know, stay off social media. I don't know. <laughs> Redu- reduce your distractions. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have anything besides just very practical stuff. Um, and then, you know, you can get track. You know, time tracking software. I've I've used that for my freelance business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of me wonders though, as, as a sidebar, like part of being creative is wasting time. I, I, it's a weird, I, like, I, like, I'm not saying that that's how everything's geared to be set up. Like, uh, you know, we're out, we are supposed to be like robotically creating perfect work all the time. But, but part of the creative process is just sitting around thinking about it. Otherwise I think uh, maybe not. I think there's some people who are good at this, but I think you end up just repeating yourself over and over again. Mm-hmm. But if you have time to like reevaluate, rethink, that's what actually these 48 hour film projects, why they're kind of useful because it mm. allows me to kind of get into a totally different space, but nobody's paying me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, things aren't going to change anytime soon. So I think, yeah, we do have to adapt to that reality, but I do think uh, creative work does require some time wasting. I, I hate to say it. I don't know. Oh, I, I, I like I think that. I, that yeah. that totally makes sense to me. I mean, I remember visiting some of my friends from high school who did go to art school and I remember sort of being hit by that, being struck by that, that like, wow, this is part of the art school experience is just kind of chilling, you know, chilling out. And yeah, you know, I, th- I think that is part of developing and cultivating that mindset of, you know, you, yeah. you kind of want people, if that's your job, you kind of want people to, you know, have their head in the clouds a little bit. Of course right. you do. Otherwise, uh, you know, you're just going to get the most, you're not going to get necessarily the the type of work that is, you know, breaking barriers because otherwise people are just trying to conform to, you know, very strict standards. Yeah. Yeah. So, totally makes sense. But, yeah. But like I said, I don't think we live in that world. I, I do have a little bit more leeway here, but I do have, you know, I am required to be realistic with my projects. Right. And uh, it's rare when I get to do like a, uh, a super worked up Photoshop drawing or something. I usually have to like make a case for it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, let me ask you this because uh, I really liked what you had said earlier about using illustrator, how you have this sense of completion that Mm -hmm. you can get when working there in general, how do you decide when something's done? Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I think you could, that's a never ending process in some ways. (laughs) If you have a process, you know, you have your initial stage where you kind of create the rough draft and then you have the stage where you like block in the colors and all the, uh, you know, the text and all that. 
And then you just sort of iteratively go about it until, you know, you're at the final stage, you know, and then at that final stage, you can tweak it a little bit, but it just kind of flows out from there. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess I know I'm done when I like it. And, uh, you know, there's some, I actually find a lot easier with Illustrator because the, the lines are sort of rigid. And if you're going for like a particular style, you know, when you, when you reach that, because it's more rigidly defined. But like a Photoshop drawing, if you're doing like photorealism, yeah, that that one, that, that probably never ends. I think you you know, like you could be like um, uh, Leonardo with the Mona Lisa, where you're like creating that your whole life. Um, like I I created a cover uh, that that didn't get uh, approved. It was like a sandfly feeding, and I showed like the cross section and then the blood pool that forms underneath the skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I liked it at the time. I was pretty overworked when I did it. I was very tired, um, kind of euphoric when it was done and happy with it. But I, now I look back at it, I'm like, oh man, maybe I keep, maybe I do something with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think, but I think I know the piece you're talking about and it, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's, it's really good, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah. I think though, like you also have to like, think about like that you are biased as well, you know, right. like it's impossible to, yeah, it's impossible to really evaluate your work. Yeah. That's a tough one. You know, mm. sometimes you can, yeah. So yeah, I don't have any, anything concrete. I think uh, if you like it enough and it's close enough, that's kind of that's where you stop. Yeah, and then if everybody tells you it's amazing, then just try to ignore whatever thoughts are going on in your head about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's solid advice right there, man. I like that. Yeah, that's good, yeah. man. Heck yeah. yeah. So, do you follow the artist Beeple? Are you familiar with Beeple? I've heard of Beeple. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, you'd have to refresh my memory on that. So he's really well known for having uh, produced art every single day for like, I think he's going on 13 years now or something. Uh, so yeah. he's got the hashtag every days. Yeah. And recently he sold a bunch of his uh, digital pieces of art yeah. in, in the form of what's called an NFT, which is kind of okay. like a, a crypto art. And uh, oh, NFT okay. stands for a non-fudgeable token which means oh. it's using blockchain to give oh, okay yeah yeah to give like a, a digital piece of art like a serial number sort of and it, mm-hmm. it's basically kind of a way of creating an original like a like a digital right. art original so even if you made yeah. like a you know like a copy of a jpeg or photoshop you can just keep copying those right but this this yeah. has like just one there's only one version of this piece of hmm. the art right well, i mean i mean that's part of the problem with with digital art it's like you know once you got a copy, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to value it, I guess. Yeah. But I, yeah, I was curious yeah. if uh, you'd looked into that stuff at all or if you knew anything about it. I definitely have heard of it. And I, I, that does sound familiar to me. I haven't thought as much about creative property since I've started working for NIH because everything I do is just instantly public domain, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I think if everybody, if the government's paying for it, then I, I guess that's, that's fair, but it's, yeah, it's not ideal in some ways. But uh, yeah, again, it's uh, something I haven't thought about enough to really put my foot down and say how I feel about it. I feel like part of the beauty of digital art is that, like, sort of like, I don't know, is this a good take? I'm not sure. Like, like hip hop or something, you can just like keep remixing it or mm. you can come up with something new. Part of it's the fluidity of the whole thing. But then it does make it really hard to uh, monetize, which is kind of at the end of the day, you know, the mo- mm-hmm. one of the one of the things you need. I mean, not, not the only thing, but you know, you got to put food on the table. So 
Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I think he, he did a couple of really smart things there. I mean, one of which being, you know, he just established that habit and routine for himself and through that was able to build up this online notoriety where he's, he's got this online presence and you'll, you'll have to surf through his uh, feed. It, it actually cracks me up because so much of his work is really vulgar and uh, <laughs> right. he, he, yeah, he goes after politicians hard, man. Um, right. And he's, he's been the, like the entire past four years, he's been mocking Trump like so hard. Oh, no. Yeah. Just oh, wow. relent, relentlessly. Um, but I just, I think that's amazing that this guy that puts this like vulgar, uh, you know, kind of like offensive stuff. Yeah. Like everybody loves him. Like everybody loves him. You know. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, amazing. I, mean, I, think, I think I think it's probably a lesson to be learned there. Like, uh, um, yeah, people aren't perfect, and uh, that resonates with people. I think you know, like uh, the the yeah, vulgarities within within all of us. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are there any other things like you've heard about or seen online where you're like, oh, whoa, that that's going to be big? Oh man, you're talking like art, or or just tech or anything, anything. Oh man, uh, God, I I've been lately like trying to log off. I think that might be the next thing. I don't yeah. know um, because I I don't know. Like part of my act, the activism that I was sort of taking part in. What I realized was that a lot of it was very online, and that um, uh, you know the real world is still very important. And uh, you know, understanding how to talk to real people. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I. I do think there will be more tech stuff. I mean, it could be like these short clip things, you know, like uh, TikTok or something. I don't like it, but <laughs> yeah, as people's attention spans further shrink. But part of me is hopeful that maybe there will be a movement to offline spaces doing more of that kind of thing. Yeah, where, you work, where your life isn't like constantly monitored, not to get yeah. conspiratorial, but you know, it's nice to just have a space. It's just not where everything is in public. But no, uh, I, yeah, I'm I don't totally know. I'm with don't, you on that. Yeah. I actually uh, had started this past summer, you know, whenever I was getting cabin fever, I was like, man, I'm just going to go out and take a walk. And I would routinely just leave my cell phone at home. And I mean, even my wallet, I would only just go out with my keys and I yeah. would just pick a direction and just walk. And there was this liberating feeling of knowing that like, oh, nothing's like GPS tracking my movement right now, you know? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's a weird situation we're in but yeah uh yeah I, I wish i knew more i mean yeah in terms of technology i don't yeah maybe there will be a backlash against some of this so, yeah the hopeful yeah. part but uh yeah i but one thing that i would like to see is um maybe this is already a thing but like like a, a better community online for artists um mm-hmm. you know you can have better mentorship where you can show your work in a way that's not like exploited for ad revenue, like on Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So maybe pooling resources that way. Um, Have you ever been on yeah. ArtStation? No. It, yeah. I was on Behance recently. Is that any, is that the same? Yeah. But ArtStation, no, what is that? Oh, it's, it's really cool, man. So it's an online portfolio site. Uh, they okay. allow you to just kind of throw images up there and make your own personal portfolio page oh, cool. and the, it you know it's like a social media platform for artists uh yeah especially digital artists a lot of folks in video games and movies and stuff but the really cool thing about it is there's like this one particular feature 
of the platform that I think is just brilliant and it makes all the yeah. difference in the world, which is you are not allowed to comment on anybody's stuff unless you right. have posted artwork. Wow. Okay. I like that. I love that cool. because it's yeah, like, great. Dude, yeah. show what you got, you know, like yeah, let, yeah. Pe let people know where you're coming from. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily I haven't had a lot of negative comments, but that's probably cause I don't really have much of a following, but, uh, <laughs> well, I'll have to check that out. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, sometimes it can get a little intimidating because it is really high level stuff, especially right. you know, people doing these realistic portraits and using yeah. all like five different pieces of software to make this like hyper realistic, you know, portrait oh, wow. of somebody. But yeah, uh, but it, it's also really nice to see just all the different work out there and to see that a lot of people are really generous with sharing their process. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really yeah. cool. So yeah, definitely recommend that, man. Um, okay. Are, are there any platforms uh, you'd like to go on to learn, like new tricks, new, you know, new stuff? Uh, like uh, just like uh, new softwares I'd like to learn? Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, software or, you know, art production stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I'd like to look into some sort of 2D animation software where I can okay. take my drawings and like maybe have a better workflow than... Uh, faster workflow than the 3d although it probably will be incredibly you know tedious as well like 3d can be mm -hmm. um and then uh yeah i'd like to get into unity as well uh, i mean i already ha have learned unity but actually create projects with that and uh yeah i'd love to expand into a new 3d program but uh it's not all up to me so <laughs> all right <laughs> i expect that a lot of the folks probably that are going to tune into this will be people wanting to get into the field i'm curious if you have any bits of advice or any lessons you've learned that you could share with folks who want to get into the industry um hmm. let's see what would i suggest um i think you have that, that strong foundation in in the arts for sure but i think also important to the, uh, in the process is uh yeah just a foundation in science as well like you know those basics i mean i think uh it's also a particular way of thinking too. I think it's sort of, it's not just about pretty pictures. It's about explaining things to other people who've never seen them before. So, uh, you know, realizing what it's like for somebody to, to be seeing something for the first time. And so, and, and to make it as easy to access as possible. So I think part of that is cultivating like a, um, a thought process that is not arrogant, you know? I, I don't know, like, I think a lot of people in academia so are, are almost like they enjoy putting up walls to their work or having a, a particular language that's only theirs. Maybe it's not, you know, malicious, but yeah, it's sort of uh, fostering that sort of spirit of sort of like uh, collective sort of enjoyment of, of discovery. So that kind of mindset, I guess, that makes sense. Being excited about sharing sort of these amazing things with other people. Yeah, but in terms of actually just getting into it, the, the brass tacks of it is, you know, uh, you got to work like hell on your portfolio. You got to put in late nights. You got to work crappy part-time jobs uh, to support yourself while you're doing that. Yeah, you got to go into the sciences, I think. So it's uh, just a lot of work, honestly. That's that's the big thing. A lot of work and also look at what's going on out there and, and see if, if you're measuring up too. You know, I hate to say it, but, you know, you do have to, you do have to like uh, be cognizant of what other people are doing. Otherwise you're just delusional, I think, but um, mm -hmm. maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah. I think that's uh, 
a big challenge for a lot of folks, definitely myself included in that, in that you want to know what other people are doing and you want to know what the standard is, but you also yeah. don't want to beat, beat yourself up if you're, you know, not quite yeah. there yet, you know, yeah, we're all and, at different and, levels. Exactly. And the thing is like, you got to you know, be okay with where you're at too. But, uh, but yeah, it is important to learn from other people. And uh, that's, that's how I grew. It was just sort of, you know, when I got out of high school, got out of my high school classes and started like learning with a person who was actually doing it professionally. Uh, that's when I, yeah, I realized, you know, what the next level was, I guess. Mm. Uh, and I think a lot of people learn that in the program too, you know, like they have their base portfolio. And then once they're in there, they realize that there is another level of like performance that you get to as well. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. 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 Like what's something you pay attention to more now when you're researching an illustration that you look back and you're like, oh man, I wish I, I should have been doing this back in the day. Um, I mean, I probably do it all the time, even in my, yeah, my current work. I, th- I think, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, you're limited by the, the knowledge you have at the time. Um, mm-hmm. right. And so, you know, when I first started here uh, at NIH, I didn't have a big, uh, a, a much of a background in uh, infectious diseases. You know, mine was more, you know, my background in medical illustration is doing more of the macro stuff. And so, yeah, even the basic stuff that people took for granted, I didn't know anything about. And it wasn't until I expanded upon that, that I knew like what, where I could be creative and where I could, yeah, that's kind of more of an experience thing. Yeah. I'm sure I've drawn a brain or a DNA that was wrong, you know, in the past <laughs> and look back on that. Yeah. So actually recently I, I, I drew a logo that was a left-handed DNA. I don't know why I did that. Uh, it oh, was no. just very stylized. <laughs> yeah. Very stylized. It was, it barely looked like a DNA. Uh, but then I looked at it and I was like, Oh crap. But luckily it was for a friend. So it wasn't a big deal. But we, we fixed yeah. it before it was, was, was used. Yeah. But, that's uh, one of those things people bring up a lot is they get so impatient with, uh, you know, the DNAs going in the wrong direction, but it's all good. Although if you read about uh, left-handed DNA, actually, it is a very interesting phenomenon. No, it's uh, what's well, called ZDNA. And, uh, mm-hmm. apparently it, it, it could have a role in epigenetics or something like that. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Apparently due to like oxidative stress, I might not, I may be wrong about this, but it, it causes changes in the in the handedness of the of the DNA, which can influence how it's wrapped around the uh, histone. So I guess that could, if it, you know, because epigenetics are, are influenced by your environment. So I'd imagine, I think when it's in the Z conformation, so it, it can wrap around the histones more easily, I think, when it's in the right hand conformation. But the Z is more of a rigid, like uh, it's called the Z because it's sort of this weird zigzag pattern when they look at it under x-ray crystallography, I think. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think what they were trying to say was that it disrupts the, the organization. And uh, yeah, so I thought that was interesting to read about that. I'd, I'd been hearing that sort of left-right thing. And yeah, generally it's right-handed, but but the left-handed DNA is actually a, a, a real thing that they're looking into as a as an area of study. So. But I got to find, it's always nice to find articles to like back up. Like when, you know, when you do something wrong, then you can like justify it to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, that's such a great, like fun fact. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, I I probably didn't say exactly, but there was something in the scientist. Yeah. Yeah, It seems interesting. They've always got like really great medical illustrations in there so that, yeah, Yeah. they they had a whole uh, write up on it. Yeah. It looked interesting. So yeah. Yeah. I've seen some pretty good articles there. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I, it sounds like maybe uh, folks are trying to chase you down. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can let you go. Um, but uh, before we go, just uh, is there anything you want to promote or anyone you want to give a shout out to or anything? 
Oh man, damn, this is a real podcast. Um, <laughs> sorry, why did I say that? Though, uh, no, I, I guess I, just, I haven't been on. A, <laughs> it's I guess I've never been on a pat- podcast before where somebody <laughs> has said, "Would you like to give a shout out?" I only ever listen to them where they do that. <laughs> I guess I don't really have any shout outs, to be honest. Hopefully soon we'll have a respiratory uh, syncovirus video that's going to drop, as they say. Nice, uh, so, nice. So be look- looking out for that. Uh, we got a new one coming out. Can't think of anything else at the moment. I would say Rocky Mountain Labs is kind of a, a, an interesting place. Uh, the, the, it's, a, it's set in a beautiful uh, mountain valley. It's sort of a hidden gem. So I would, I would check out the Bitterroot Valley and the history of Rocky Mountain Labs if you want to. Uh, find a, an interesting sort of place that you maybe never knew existed and uh, wonder why it exists. Uh, it's an interesting story. This was an awesome episode, man. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. Uh, thanks for calling up. It was fun. And a big thank you to you as well for listening. I hope these conversations can be a helpful resource to folks out there interested in the field of medical illustration. So just a bit of housekeeping to wrap things up. I wanted to mention that I've been doing some admin work on this podcast, and it's now available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. If you have a preferred podcasting listening service that you'd like me to investigate, please let me know. I recently had the honor and privilege to be a guest on the Learn Medical Art podcast. Co-hosts Annie Campbell and Emily Holden graciously invited me to join them to discuss some time management tips for medical illustration work. I am a huge fan of the Learn Medical Art team, and I highly recommend checking out their work. You can find a lot of great resources, including links to education programs, tutorials, job listings, and their awesome podcast on learnmedical.art. I want to report on some exciting content that's being shared lately through the Association of Medical Illustrators. The AMI recently announced dates for our annual meeting. This will be held virtually from July 20th through the 28th of 2021. The event program is still being assembled, which is why now is a great time to follow the AMI on social media so you can find out as soon as possible when they announce the meeting registration opening. They're active on all the major platforms, so just search Association of Medical Illustrators to follow them and get lots of updates and interesting articles. The AMI has also recently launched a video series titled The Pillars of the AMI, where they feature interviews with leaders in the field who have made significant contributions. I'm happy to report that I've got several amazing guests lined up in the coming weeks that I'm super psyched to talk with, so I can't wait to shine a spotlight on these folks, and I know people listening will really benefit hearing their stories and thoughts. Thank you so much for all the kind words and support, and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.